Welcome to Theater Talk. I'm Ann McBride. Co-host Ed Shopes and I are here the first and third Fridays of the month to tell you all about what's happening in the mid-Willamette Valley theater world. Hi, Ed. Hi, Ann. <laughs> Welcome to all you theater lovers out there. Here on Theater Talk, you know, we interview interesting guests from great shows happening throughout the mid-Valley. And who are we talking to today, Ann? On this episode of KMUZ Theater Talk, we'll talk to actors Coley Cutler and Zach Dufault, who are in Neil Simon's classic 60s comedy, The Odd Couple, running March 17th through 26th at Kaiser Homegrown Theater. And later in our program, we'll talk with Pinnacle Theater board member Brian Toller about a change in the Pentacles show lineup and show director Karen McCarty about auditions for a new comedy, Exit Laughing, happening on March 25th. But first, let's check our KMUZ Theater Talk calendar to see what else is on the boards. All right, here we go. Albany Civic Theater at albanycivic.org. March 25th, that act is a special Reader's Theater performance of Chapati by Christian O'Reilly. Then Something Rotten, a very new musical, opens April 7th and runs through the 29th at Albany Civic, and that's directed by Christy Sears. And finally, auditions for Love, Loss, and What I Wore start at 3 p.m. April 1st at ACT, and that play runs May 12th through 20th. More information on these shows is at albanycivic.org. The Elsinore Theater at elsinoretheater.com Northwest Broadway Productions and the Salem Orchestra will present Stephen Sondheim's A Little Night Music in concert at the Elsinore Theater on April 29th. Tickets are on sale now at elsinoretheater.com and please go directly to elsinoretheater.com to buy tickets for the best seats and prices because third-party ticket sites charge lots more through added fees. Enlightened Theatrics at enlightenedtheatrics.org they are doing Sarah Rule's Dear Elizabeth. It's now on stage through March 19th at Enlightened Theatrics. For info, go to enlightenedtheatrics.org and check out our recent podcast with Jessica Peterson, Executive Director of Enlightened Theatrics, Melody Irfani, the director of Dear Elizabeth, and two actors in the play, Ronan Baker and Diane Slamp. KMUZ Theater Talk podcasts are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Gallery Theater at gallerytheater.org. March 17th and 18th, Gallery Theater will host the American Association of Community Theaters Region 9 2023 Theater Competitions in downtown McMinnville. Community theaters from Oregon, Washington, and Idaho will compete for honors. It's a great way to see live theater at its best, and more information is on the gallerytheater.org website. And then next up at Gallery Theater is Harvey, the classic play about the six-and-a-half-foot-tall rabbit, and that runs March 31st through April 16th. Kaiser Homegrown Theater at kaiserhomegrowntheater.org. The first show of Homegrown Theater's 2023 season is The Odd Couple, playing March 10th through 26th. Stay with us in the second half of our show when we talk to actors Coley Cutler and Zach Dufault about this Neil Simon 60s classic. 
Pentacle Theater at pentacletheater.org has auditions for Exit Laughing, a comedy by Paul Elliott, happening March 25th at Pentacle's downtown rehearsal studio. Exit Laughing replaces Henry Miller's The Crucible on Pentacle Theater's 2023 season. We'll learn more about this new show and the upcoming auditions in the third half of our program when we talk with Pentacle Theater's Brian Toller and the show's director, Karen McCarty. Shrek the Musical continues on stage at Pentacle through March 24th. It's great family fun, and you can listen to our interview with director Robert Salberg and actors from the show wherever you get your podcasts. Shrek the Musical is technically sold out, but there are always no shows for every performance, so go to the theater an hour before curtain and add your name to the wait list. Joe Dodge's acting workshop for actors 18 and older is now at Pentacle Theater's rehearsal studio in downtown Salem. To sign up, go to tickets.pentacletheater.org. The Salem Playhouse at thesalemplayhouse.com. They're offering acting classes for both kids and adults, and they hold them at Kaiser Homegrown Theater. To sign up, go to the SalemPlayhouse.com and click on the Classes tab. Spotlight Community Theater has Pygmalion opening May 11th at Spotlight. And see their Facebook page at Spotlight CT for more info. Theater 33 at Willamette University at Theater33.org. Theater 33 has announced their 10th summer season of plays and pop-ups starting June 8th with Solastalgia by Joy Ono. It's their 10th season. That's quite an achievement. On the college front, Corbin University at corbin.edu slash theater hyphen arts. The Phantom Tollbooth plays through March 25th at Corbin. You can listen to our interview with director Jeremiah Price wherever you get your podcasts. Western Oregon University at wou.edu slash theater. The final show of Western's academic year is The Wolves by Sarah DeLapp. It's coming up May 31st through June 3rd. Noel Coward's comedy classic, Live Spirit, comes to the Pelton Auditorium stage at Willamette University April 13th through 29th is directed by Susan Coromel. More information for that at wutheater.com. And on the high school front, McKay High School, their Facebook page is at McKay Thespians. They have the Calamityville Terror on stage at McKay, May 19th through 27th. McNary High School at Ken Collins Theater on Facebook. Student-directed one-act plays come alive at McNary High School May 24th through 26th. North Salem High School, and they are on Facebook at NSHS Theater. The final show of North Salem season is the fun mystery Clue, coming up May 11th through 20th. South Salem High School is on Facebook at Saxon Drama. Watch that page carefully because South Spring Play will be announced and uh, that's scheduled to play May 10th through the 18th. Sprague High School students are bringing Disney's Frozen Junior to the stage April 20th through 23rd. 
For more info, go to Sprague High School website. And that wraps up this week's Theater Talk calendar. Stay with us for today's first guests, actors Coley Cutler and Zach Dufault from Neil Simon's The Odd Couple on stage now at Kaiser Homegrown Theater. We're here at KMUZ Theater Talk with Coley Cutler and Zach Dufault, who are in The Odd Couple at Kaiser Homegrown Theater. Welcome to Theater Talk, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is a really iconic play. It's turned into a classic. It was written, I think, in the 1960s. And uh, I remember that distinctly because all of my friends started calling me Felix when they saw the film version. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's a whole other story. But uh, (laughs) this is a play that everybody loves. So, Coley, you're playing Oscar Madison. What do you really love about this show? What really is a joy for me in this play is discovering that I can actually let my sloppy flag fly. You know, I, I guess I'm a, a, a latent slob, but I try and keep tidy so no one will know. But in this play, it all comes out. And that's kind of a catharsis for me. And also, after studying the play and really learning what is behind the story and in the dialogue and each line, I realized that these two are the odd couple because they're such different perspectives and approach to life. And through the play... The sloppy bachelor that doesn't care about much ends up becoming more concerned and a little bit more aware of his environment and his friends. And Felix discovers that he can have a little bit of self-confidence and do what he feels every now and then, as opposed to what he thinks always should be correct. So there's that convergence. And it's kind of a beautiful story. I never even thought of that, but that's very true. That's very true. Neil Simon he had a background in the Yiddish theater of the comedy and it's very iconic comedy. They're types. You are a type and Felix is a type. Zach, what kind of type are you? Well, Roy is Oscar's accountant. You know, Roy also uh, drinks a lot of beer and smokes a lot of cigarettes. So there's a little bit of that there for him too. So I don't know which archetype or stereotype Roy falls under. But uh, I guess maybe the the drunk stereo. <laughs> Roy also has a lot of zingers in this yes, uh, show, he and he he really skewers some of the other characters. Who are they? Amongst the the group of four, we got Murray, who's a cop, played by Mike Jaffe, who's hilarious. Speed is played by Rob. What's Robert's last name, Collie? I can't remember. Robert Condren. Yes, Condren. There we go. Who's done an amazing job. And then kind of a proud teacher moment here, but one of my students, Derek White, is playing Vinny. So I have an opportunity to act with one of my students from my adult class in his first play of his entire life. So, Coley, who's playing Oscar's nemesis, Felix Unger? Uh, His name is Wade Moran, and uh, he doesn't look the type of Tony Randall or Jack Lemmon. But let me tell you something. Once he gets going... He is as much of a Felix as yeah. anyone can be without being Tony Randall or Jack Lemmon. Yes. He has a personality style that's very fastidious and precise. 
He's very organized with his lines and his blocking and his approach to the script. He puts on makeup for the show. <laughs> he does the whole nine yards and he really is good. He's He's been in the show a couple of times before and played Felix before. So he's got a lot of prep and a lot of understanding about the character. And I tell you, my uh, let loose go wild with riffing and off the cuff is quite the contrast and conflict with his precise everything, including movement and gestures. So he's typecast. He really is. And it's hard to see at first because he looks like he looks like an accountant, to tell you the truth, from the outside. But boy, when he opens about I've seen him picking up on stage and cleaning up as Felix does. But I've seen him backstage straightening the refrigerator and moving clothes over so they hang <laughs> in an organized fashion. And I realize he is the perfect choice for a Felix. Yeah. Agreed. Who, who so direct this, Oh, sorry. I, um uh, Coley, uh, let me let me think of let me think of how I want to ask this question. Coley, Wade has played this part a couple of times before. I assume you haven't played Oscar in the past, but what have you learned from Wade in playing the slob against his fastidious, hypochondriac, insecure man? Well, that's a very good question, and I have not played anything like this. And in the beginning of the play, we see the complete opposite, both sides of the spectrum in terms of who cares about what and what's important to whom. And throughout the play and throughout the rehearsal period that we've had so far, I've learned that, you know, he he wins over the women in the end. And my whole goal in the beginning was to win over some women. But it didn't work out for me and it did for him. And I watched this happen. No. And all of the guys at the poker table watch this as well. Yeah. And we see that his approach really does have a positive effect on people and how they treat him, whereas Oscars hasn't been that way so much. And towards the end of the play, I kind of open up to it a little bit and I kind of treat people a little bit better. And I, I even recommend just staying just a tad cleaner than I was in the beginning of the play. You go through a huge change. Yes. Yes. Both of us do. <laughs> Zach, why is the poker game so important in this play? You always have your group of buddies that you play stuff with. Now, my generation, it probably isn't poker, and it's more so probably Xbox. But you have your group that you always do your stuff with every Friday night if we're talking about the poker game. And I think it's really cool to show how just a whole group of guys deals with something like this instead of just the two guys. Because everybody in our little group deals with it differently and deals with it on a different you know, scale from one to 10. I know, I know when we go back and there's a second time where we're playing poker and Felix is cleaning everything and to watch us each start to lose it individually in our different way has been really, <laughs> really fun to do and fun to watch. And I think as an audience member, it'll be really fun. Felix and Oscar are awesome with each other all the time. And Wade and Col Coley do an amazing job with each other. They're hilarious. But it's nice to bring in these couple, you know, these four different perspectives to come uh, have conversations and make people laugh and do some really fun hijinks. And like Coley said earlier, rip up some uh, potato chips. It's kind of a genius move to have four different personalities that show some level of some kind of dysfunction on a, on a spectrum where Wade is Felix on one end and myself is Oscar on the other end and showing the influence of those four um, tangents 
shaping our decisions and our life for the term of the play is probably why The Odd Couple has been such a classic for so long. It's mm -hmm. just, it resonates with somebody on some level. And when we see, oh, they're on the opposite ends of the spectrum and they got friends that are still married. They got friends that want to travel. They have friends that don't want to stay out too late. All of yep. these uh, kind of impact us in a positive way and ship us towards the end of the play where we actually accept where we're at. But it's also really funny. <laughs> so Coley Felix is driving everybody crazy, but why is he in Oscar's apartment? Well, you know what? I asked myself that same question <laughs> at, at the beginning of the rehearsal, and I, I know by your reaction that you understand it too. You know, he is lonely and is not a very successful bachelor. He's going off the rails. He's drinking too much. He's smoking too much. He stays out too late. He spends all of his money. He makes a lot of money and spends it all. So things are not so great with him. And when he sees Felix in a state where he knows he can help him, but really it benefits him as well to have him around. Oscar mentioned several times in this play how eight rooms in one apartment in New York is just too much for one lonely guy too much to clean up, too much to have any fun without any people coming over. And he really wants some company in his life that he can share. And so he offers Felix that opportunity to just move in and then realizes he's way too clean and wants to stay separate. And staying separate in eight rooms isn't so hard. And then he realizes, you know what, the whole roommate thing isn't going to work. But if we go back to being the strong friends that we were before that, I'm going to pick up on some positive habits that you have. And Felix definitely picks up some, on some positive habits that I had. And this is all because Felix's marriage is ending. It's all because we are both on the precipice of something big changing. And my divorce was six months ago. His divorce is pending. And both of us talk about how to rebound from that in a healthy way or in a not healthy way and kind of figure out some strategies to actually live a life that's a little bit more balanced. Thanks to our four poker playing buddies and our experience with some girls in the building that share their time and give us their perspective on what is appealing. And when they say to Oscar, why don't you get your, get your act together? And they say to Felix, Oh, it's so nice when a man can cry. He's being so nice to his divorcee, <laughs> his wife who's divorcing him. And we make some realizations that yeah, life goes on. The beat goes on. Well, Let's just talk about the Cuckoo Pigeon Sisters. Is Frankie Wright, and she plays Gwendolyn, and Lauren Fairbanks plays Cecily. And they do a fantastic job. They have adopted the English accent to a T, and they are naturally uh, very familiar with each other and very tight. They call themselves sisters, but they're, they're from sisters from a different mister. But they act as if they are a unit on stage. And they are able to flirt and laugh and be serious and be uh, alluring and just delightful the whole time. Are you doing this play in the period that it was written or are you doing it in now? Period that it was written. We're following the script uh, to a T and all of the uh, props and set is set in 65 and Good. all of the uh, accoutrements. The telephone is old style and the record player is old style. And we have the whole uh, period of their original and the English girls have their English accent. And we've got an American to slightly New Yorkish mm -hmm. 
slightly Jewish, I might add, too. Yeah. I noticed a, a, quite a few references to things that I found very familiar growing up in a Jewish home with a Jewish mother. And I, I didn't realize that it was that Jewish oriented whenever I watched the original play and the one on uh, the remake on Broadway and the TV show. But but in combing through the script, I've added a little bit of myself to the uh, to the character. And it, it's a natural fit, of course, because he just writes in that way. For example, yes, I, I complain to Felix for cleaning up and I say, Felix, something's wrong with this system. I don't think that two single men living alone in an eight room apartment should have a cleaner place than my mother. Right. That's about as Jewish right. complaint as you can complain to other Jews. Right. Without using. So, so you know how to quetch. Oi, I should live so long. <laughs> well, that, that, that's great. That's that's wonderful. Uh, ha have you guys lived in New York? Uh, I have not. I've lived in L.A., though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just a little different, crazy, big city but still a crazy big city yeah that had lots of gunshots and banging and smashing and stuff at night <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i lived upstate new york oh I've okay been to new york city many times and stayed overnight many times and so i've gotten a very small taste of the culture and it's harsh you get off on central station and you come out and there's street vendors yelling at you and telling you to yes. move so you hurry yes. up and I thought, well, why are they mad? I, I'm going to buy stuff from them, but not if they yell at me. But hey, that's <laughs> New York, and it's a 24-hour town, and it's got a totally different vibe. So yeah. everybody who has grown up in New York loves it and doesn't like the West Coast. But those of us who didn't grow up in New York find it jarring and harsh, you know, in general. Not, not everybody's like that, but boy, the vibe is you got to be tough to get through it. Well, yeah, and it's in your face every day. Just taking the train is quite an experience. I'm interested in how you make the play happen in New York. How do you show that it's happening in New York? Well, we have a couple of different ways. One is we have an open window to the cityscape, and it shows the distance from the top, almost mm -hmm. the top floor, the 12th floor of this uh, apartment building over the cityscape. And it's a very small window and a very small slice of the view but you see new york out there and we also make references zach has a reference to new york oh yes i do i tell someone to smoke toward new jersey is that the reference <laughs> <laughs> well better that than the other way around this is yeah, true really. <laughs> oh so zach this play was originally written in 1965 and then there was the, of course the famous 1968 film with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, who originated the role of, of Oscar uh, on Broadway. And then there was a 1970s ABC sitcom yep. uh, with uh, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman uh, as, as the two roommates. Or what is distinct about uh, Simon's original play and how does it compare to the film and the sitcom versions of this story? I loved the movie growing up and the TV show growing up. And uh, so those were my first experiences. And then going into the play, all I could think about was Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. Because that's, I mean, I grew up watching that movie hundreds and hundreds of times. So 
I would say the play, when you're reading it, and just as any actor or actress, when you read the show, there's definitely, you see potential in moments and finding parts in the play that are going to be really, really great or parts in the play that you can really dive into even more. And then you watch like a Jack Lemmon or Walter Matthau, who are just top tier actors in their craft, take those words and make it their own. You know, in the in the play, uh, when... Oscar's yelling at Felix to, you know, just go live in the kitchen with your pots and your pans and your ladles. Walter Matthau starts crying, you know, and he takes, and that's not a direction in the play, but Walter Matthau takes that dialogue and makes it his own and makes it his thing. Same with, you know, Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon's one of the best comedic actors ever when it came to behavior and timing and finding little things that his character could do that would just enhance what has already been written. And so what I think about the play that's really great is, is that it's a wonderfully written show. I mean, anything written by Neil Simon is going to be top tier and top notch. And as a performer and as an actor, it's just rich with opportunities to make it your own and find little awesome little moments and things that you can do that are going to enhance your show and make your show better. So I think that kind of answers your question in a funny roundabout way, but I just, I love the play because it's a really great show on its own. And then there's also just so much more room for you to make it your own and to add your own kind of flair and stuff to it. Neil Simon's body of work is, is wonderful, but Mm -hmm. the odd couple is in its own class. It's one of his best. Yep. Agreed. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity for audiences to enjoy it. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the reasons it stood the test of time is it's very classically enjoyable by generation after generation. Mm-hmm. In a similar way that uh, Ferris Bueller is funny today as it was 30 years mm-hmm. ago, the odd couple has been able to tap into a timeless theme. And the Broadway play is the exact same dialogue as in the movie. And that's kind of rare. Usually there's either a different writer, although um, Neil Simon's script was the script for the movie. It is word for word. They added a little scene prior to the action, which was a genius move to show Felix going through the whole consideration of leaving and trying to kill himself. But he's such a schlump, he cannot kill himself. So he... (laughs) wanders back to Oscar's place where he plays poker every week and shows up and doesn't want to tell anybody, but the truth is it's discovered as the play opens and the solidity of that writing that works in the film as well as the play to me was surprising. I didn't realize until this production that the dialogue was exactly the same. So when we got our scripts, it's the same as the movie and it was the same as the play. And so we have to bring it up to date just by embracing it and let the comedy take care of itself. And because the jokes are in that Neil Simon patter of <laughs> okay, that's going to be funny in 1950, 1960, and the 2000s. Well, this play obviously has some staying power because, you know, not, not only do we have the original film version and ABC sitcom version, but there was a a second revival of us ABC sitcom in the eighties. And then another one on CBS in 2015, which was very short lived. Now it just, it just stuns me that the original sitcom went for five years where 
this play is only a <laughs> this play is only a couple hours on stage. I mean, how do you, they argued for a long time on the ABC sitcom? Oh yeah, but it, it's archetypal characters. I think the messy guy and the and the neat guy they 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 transcend a place or a time. They are always applicable to you and me. Yep. Well, I've just got one last question before we have to go. And uh, I, I guess it's more for Coley or maybe maybe it's for uh, you too, Zach. How hard is it to clean up the spaghetti off the wall every night? And does the wall need to get repainted between performances or what? <laughs> well, we have fashioned a method, a little vehicle in the theater to take care of the effect and spare the people of cleaning up. So we actually have two sets of plates with linguine, the one that gets served on the stage and then another one that gets thrown in the kitchen. Now, the kitchen is off of the breezeway that goes to the backstage, but you can see into it because there's saloon doors that are low enough and it's lit through the hallway to see the entryway. So we take that linguine from the table and I start getting ready and Felix start getting afraid of what's going to happen. I open up those doors and halfway disappear and you hear a crash and you hear spaghetti sliming down the wall and you hear dishes trinkling and clicking and breaking on the floor. And I come out with my hands in a bundle going, well, now it's garbage. There we go. does the trick. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Well, that is a that is a classic key moment from the show. Uh, that is great. Well, uh, Coley Cutler and Zach Defoe, thank you very much for joining us here on Theater Talk to talk about the odd couple playing at Kaiser Homegrown Theater. And it runs through Sunday, March 26th. Uh, evening performances are Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, at seven o'clock, their Sunday shows are two o'clock matinees. Get your tickets at kaiserhomegrowntheater.org. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Ed. Coming up next, we'll talk with Pentacle Theater board member Brian Toller about a change in their 2023 season, along with director Karen McCarty to tell us about auditions coming up March 25th for a fun new comedy, Exit Laughing. Stay with us for more Theater Talk. We're talking with Brian Toller, a member of the Pinnacle Theater Board, about a change in Pinnacle's show lineup and show director Karen McCarty about auditions for the new comedy Exit Laughing, which will be on March 25th. Welcome to Theater Talk, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Brian, there's big news from Pentacle Theater about a change in the season schedule. Give us an update. Yeah, that's correct. So I represent the board, and we had for our slot four originally The Crucible, and the director had uh, a conflict that came up and couldn't do the project. And so uh, we put it out to the Pentacle community of directors for proposals. 
and the board considered all the proposals and we selected Exit Laughing to replace the Crucible. Karen had had that proposal and uh, it was it was spectacular and that's the direction we decided to go for uh, slot four. The Crucible is an Arthur Miller classic uh, drama and Exit Laughing is a comedy. Brian, why did the board choose a comedy to replace a drama on the schedule? Well, I don't think that was the goal in terms of um, one for the other. It's just the nature of the proposals that uh, Exit Laughing was definitely the strongest proposal. And those of us that read the script, I mean, it is laugh out loud. And at this time, it's it's good for people to be celebrating theater and having a chance to laugh. And so some of the decision making in the board was, you know, a chance to get some brevity and some and some light back into into our world. That's great. That's a great idea. What is in slot three and slot five? So in slot three is Rabbit Hole, um, which is a drama. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, slot five, somebody might have to help me out. Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And is that a serious play or a comedy? I don't know that play. It's a serious play. Okay, so having a wonderful comedy in between those two dramas sounds great. What what a great idea. That was definitely um, part of the conversation as well. Having three consecutive dramas was um, not ideal for a season. Karen, your auditions for Exit Laughing are coming up in a couple of weeks on March 25th. Can you describe the show in a nutshell for us? So Exit Laughing is a comedy about three women that have been playing bridge together for over 30 years. And their fourth member of their group has recently passed away. Mary is the one who has passed away. Millie has decided to borrow Mary's ashes and bring her to one more bridge game. (laughs) so they're concerned that they might get in trouble for this and so a police officer arrives and from there the play just gets even more hilarious there's also a daughter connie has a daughter who's in college and she was supposed to go on a date that night but her date canceled on her and so there's a lot of family there's a lot of friendship there's a lot of love what what would you do in this situation kind of thought and and how these people all stick together and help each other through their various situations but then there's so much comedy that just happens throughout the play there's a lot of innuendo there's a lot of misunderstood comments um that just makes it super funny And then there's just a very beautiful ending all coming back together of what Mary really wanted was these women to all exit their life laughing, to have a good time and to just love each other. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be so much fun to be a part of this production. I understand that this play uh, originated through the American Association of Community Theaters. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this play is really new. It really it debuted in 2013 and been a big hit everywhere. Every 
every theater that has put it on has had wonderful results, wonderful feedback, and just sold out audiences everywhere. So I think it's a, a great time, like it was said earlier, for us to just laugh and have a good time and think about family and friendships and being together and to be part of this community theater world and, and the family that we have at Pinnacle Theater. We are a family. I really think that this fits in well with us. That's wonderful. And it's also good to talk about the end of life thing. We're all facing it. And to do it with laughter and friends is a wonderful thing. And I think you are spot on. None of us know when our end of life is going to be, but to just take each day and and live it as your last day and, and to just do the things that you always wanted to do. Don't put them off, you know, and make sure you tell everybody around you every day that how much you love them and appreciate them. And if you want to take that trip, take that trip. Or if you want to go back to school, go back to school or, or whatever it is that you wanted to do. Now's the time to seize it and do it. This play actually means quite a lot, but it's delivered in a laughing kind of way. You're right. Absolutely. And you'll be working with a lot of women, which is wonderful that there are so many parts for women in this play, because I know that women are hungry for parts. This is true. And I also have been hearing from our community that there's a lot of parts for younger women, but there's not always a lot of parts for women that are 55 and up. And so to have that opportunity for them, but then also there's the part for the young woman who's in college and for the young gentleman who's also in college, um, just trying to earn his way through doing side jobs. There's just some really good opportunities for roles. I have a lot of women on my crew also. I also made sure that I selected a male for my assistant director because I wanted to be sure and have a male perspective also. I don't want to go too far in one direction and I don't want to give away all of the secrets of the play, but there's, you know, some, the, the role for the young man in this play is a really good role and he's going to be very surprising at how he has so many transitions for who he is. You know, when he first comes in and you think he's one kind of character and then you find out throughout the script that, oh my gosh, this this person is really deep and kind and, and a wonderful soul himself. It's just really good opportunities for these roles. That's great. Who is your assistant director? Scott Ramp will be my assistant director. That's wonderful. He brings a deep knowledge of theater. He does. Um, he asked me to work with him on his recent show, Terra Nova. I was his costumer. And we just hit it off from the get-go and work really well together. We bounce ideas off from each other. Um, I'm really looking forward to his input and his guidance uh, as I work my way through directing this show. What is Brian Fuller talking about when he says, butter butt? <laughs> so butter butt is the cat it was um so mary the recently deceased owned a cat named butter butt and butter butt makes an appearance in the show and um has a very integral part um butter butt is very important to the show 
And will you be casting Butterbutt at your regular auditions? Or do you have someone in mind? I do not have anybody. <laughs> do not. I have not precast the role of Butterbutt. <laughs> so there's a cat in this show? There is a cat. The cat does make an appearance on stage. If somebody has a cat that can do the role. Um, I have a dog that was in a play. And when I, my dog to rehearsals and during the play, my dog became a completely different dog. It was surprising how my dog had the routine. Animals like routine. And so my dog yes. ended up having this routine of, of and literally sat on the couch with the other actors looking at the director waiting for notes at the end of rehearsal every night um and so i i think that if somebody has a cat that can have a routine and not be scared by an audience and be docile and if i'm not able to find a live cat that can fill the role i would be willing to use a a, a reasonable facsimile of a stuffed animal <laughs> <laughs> either that or cat valium <laughs> because i i have two cats at home uh i've 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 lived with cats for a long time and i'm i'm not sure you know aside from the film industry uh, where you can do retakes until you get it right yeah. uh, that uh, live theater is actually a good spot for a cat they're, they're not trainable <laughs> most of them have a mind of their own right when my girls were young, we had a cat um, that would allow them to dress the cat up and take them for rides in <laughs> the baby stroller and would have would have been perfect for this role. Would have just been laid there in somebody's arms and would have just eaten it all up. So if I can find a cat like that, I would be open to using or a live cat. Open call for a cat. Uh, as far as the rest of the casting, let's talk about your auditions. Who are the characters? And can you give give us a, just a quick description of each one of the characters that you're going to cast in this show? So Rachel Ann is in her 20s and she is going to college. And then we have Bobby. He's a young gentleman, is also in his 20s. And he plays the role of the police officer. And we have Connie, who is in her mid-50s. She's Rachel Ann's mom. And it's her house where the play takes place. We have Leona. She's 50s and above anywhere. She's been a friend with the ladies in the Bridge Club for over 30 years. And she's a hairdresser by day and a lush by night. Then we have Millie, who's also been part of the bridge club for over 30 years so she's in her 50s or anywhere above that a lovely woman who may not be the brightest crayon in the box <laughs> and then there's better but the cat that sounds like a, a great group of characters for this show and this sounds like a really fun evening for the audience as well can you tell us when auditions are and i understand that uh, the auditions are not going to be at the theater this time Correct. We have a new rehearsal space in downtown Salem. So our auditions will be held at the rehearsal space. They are on Saturday, March 25th at one o'clock. I'm hoping to have it be done by five o'clock. That should be plenty of time to audition this show. And I hope to make a decision that day so that we can start rehearsals the following Monday, March 27th. 
And where is the Pinnacle Theater Rehearsal Studio located? It's at 197 Liberty Street. It's right across the street from the convention center. There is a parking garage over the uh, the rehearsal space. And there's also on-street parking, which is free for three hours, Monday through Saturdays. And you have such talent to choose from. I'm thinking of Pentacles Past Productions, and there are so many women. I hope they show up. And you should audition for this show. <laughs> No, I'm too old. Thank you, Ed. I was just going to say the same thing. Like we no. have Ann Peck McBride could be in this play. <laughs> you know, what I would like to say is that even if people think that, that this play isn't right for them, or maybe the timing isn't right, because we know that this hasn't been on people's radar since sometime last year, like the rest of our season, we know it's a quick turnaround, but maybe people know somebody else that this play would be right for so we're really asking people to help us get the word out about auditions so that people can consider if they'd like to be part of this show. Oh, there is one other thing. If you have tickets to the Crucible and you want to see Exit Laughing, you don't need to do anything different. Your seats are reserved. Your tickets are confirmed. If Exit Laughing is not going to work into your schedule, you can turn your tickets in for a different show in the season, or you can make a donation to Pinnacle Theater by just donating your tickets back. I would like to thank Mel and Diane Kirp from M&D Cabinets for sponsoring Exit Laughing. All right. Well, Karen McCarty and Brian Toller, thank you very much for uh, joining us from Pentacle Theater to talk about auditions for Exit Laughing, the new show on the Pentacle Theater's 2023 season. Uh, auditions are March 25th at Pentacle's downtown Salem Rehearsal Studio. That's on the corner of Liberty Street and Ferry Street in downtown Salem. The auditions start at one o'clock in the afternoon. Parking is really easy. It's available in the Liberty Street Parkade, all-day parking on the lower two floors, and also on-street parking is available uh, three hours at a time on uh, Saturday during auditions. Put it on your calendar, folks. There's great parts in this show for both younger and older adult actors, and it's going to be a blast. Karen and Brian, thank you so much for joining us here on Theater Talk. Yes, thank you. And thank you for having us. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's time to wind up this week's KMUZ Theater Talk program. Thank you for joining us. Next week at 9 a.m., you can tune in to Talking About Art with Joel Zach. KMUZ Theater Talk is a proud member of the Salem Theater Network. KMUZ Theater Talk airs at 9 a.m. the first and third Friday of the month at 100.7 and 88.5 FM and on your favorite radio app or on demand at KMUZ.org. You can also listen to our free KMUZ Theater Talk podcast anytime on your laptop, mobile device, smart speaker, or in your car, wherever you get your podcasts. Ed and I will be back April 7th with a brand new KMUZ Theater Talk program to fill you in about what's happening in the Mid-Willamette Valley theater world. In the meantime, check our Theater Talk Facebook page for news and updates about live theater in the Mid-Willamette Valley. 
We want to give a shout out to all of you listeners out there who supported KMUZ and Theater Talk during our recent pledge drive. You make a difference with each dollar you pledge. So thank you for your generosity. And if you haven't yet joined to support KMUZ Theater Talk and the rest of KMUZ's great community radio programs, go to KMUZ.org right now and click the Contribute button at the top of the page. And thanks. Until next time, we'll We'll see see you you in in the the front front row. row.